Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to SACPA. Uh, we're starting on time because we're on to the uh, media already. Uh, the lunch is free today, but because you have such beautiful ladies sitting at the table and such wonderful company, we're charging everyone $11 for that, but the lunch is free. Uh, please have someone at your table uh, make sure the money's in the pot. We're a nonprofit organization, and while Van Christu usually picks up any losses we have today, he says he's kind of short. Uh, want to thank... Uh, Country Kitchen for their catering. No matter how many people we get, they always do an excellent job. Thank the University of Lethbridge for their support and distribution of notices to CKXU883 for FM Radio Live, the Lethbridge Herald for their splendid uh, notices about the meetings, and to Shaw TV for broadcasting uh, the sessions, and they do so on Sundays at 4 Without further ado, please turn off any uh, cell phones you have. I'm pleased to introduce our speaker today, Stephen Critchley. He's a practicing uh, mediator with uh, international experience, as your brochures indicated. He has been throughout the world, the United Kingdom, Italy, South Africa, and uh, involved during the Bosnian War, seeing some human conflict at its worst. He's acted as a harassment investigator and currently is working with Canprexis, which offers programs to Canada's veterans. And he's going to explore the reasons for depression, the stigma of weakness, and a variety of other issues. He has a... Uh, a disc he wants to show on the work that they do, and so without further ado, I'll bring him up and we give him a warm welcome. Stephen. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, lunch is always good. I'm just going to jump right in, show you a quick little video first. And then I'll uh, get into greater depth about what CanPraxis is, what we're achieving, and how this is affecting uh, Canada's veterans today. It is a call of duty, defending their country. We were living day by day. Deployed into danger. When you've looked in someone's eyes and you can see that they want to kill you. But their enemies follow them beyond the battlefield. Things that happen that you don't really want to talk about to anyone. A growing number of soldiers are waging a much more private war. Invisibly wounded, battered with scars. You can't see. You, know, you lock all those emotions and, and anger and, in, in a cage. And the cage popped open and wasn't able to get the animal back in the cage. 
A retired Army officer, Karen McKay, served his country for years, but it's come with a bigger sacrifice, one he wasn't prepared for. The fear, the shame, the revulsion, the anger, all boiled up into once, and it was just overwhelming. And, and, and I just melted down. And it's influencing his ability to be a father to his little boy. It is a call of duty, defending their country. We're living day by day. Deployed into danger. When you've looked in someone's eyes and you can see that they want to kill you. But their enemies follow them beyond the battlefield. Things that... It is a call of duty defending their country. We're living day by day. Deployed into danger. When you've looked in someone's eyes. It is a call of duty, defending their country. So for whatever reason, uh, the video doesn't want to play. And basically what that does is it's just uh, uh, an introduction clip uh, from another uh, news organization. And what it was was showing an individual uh, from about 30 years ago. He was on deployment with the United Nations uh, representing Canada down in Colombia. And the things that he saw and the things he was involved in uh, had a very detrimental effect uh, to his mental health, which he didn't realize until many years later. And what that uh, clip was showing was how he didn't think there was much help. He didn't think there'd be any uh, value in coming to our program. And much to his surprise, after several days, he realized that there was an awful lot to be achieved by once again relearning how to communicate effectively with people. And that's basically what our program is about. Our program, as you can see by the name, is CANPRAXIS. CANPRAXIS stands for, quite simply, CAN, as in the Canadian can-do attitude, as in we can take Vimy Ridge when no one else can. Practice being, quite simply, taking theory and turning it into practical work. And long story short, our name means we walk the talk. So about myself, yes, I've, uh, I spent 28 years in uniform. I get to wear my hair now any way I want. Thank you very much. And with that, I've had the opportunity to negotiate with warring belligerents, uh, help establish safe zones for passages of uh, prisoners of war, first aid, or sorry, Red Cross, uh, humanitarian food, everything from refugees to little kids uh, to gypsies being able to go out in the field and pick over what's left of a potato field. 
I've also had the opportunity of uh, training as a mediator within the Canadian Armed Forces, and that became my uh, basic uh, go-to job once I retired 10 years ago. Since then, I've been uh, bouncing around the world doing a lot of mediation. It wouldn't be unusual for me to be in Dubai with a room full of individuals from Africa, half Muslim, half Christian, and at the end of it, they walk away as good friends. I was fortunate enough to meet uh, Mr. Jim Marlin. Uh, Jim is a completely different individual than I am. Uh, there isn't a military bone in Jim's body. He's also a psychologist that uh, will work with Corrections Canada, and you'll find him in Drumheller where a lot of his clientele are individuals who are in solitary confinement 23 out of 24 hours a day. So he's already somewhat familiar dealing with a tough crowd. Uh, Jim also has a very good background in uh, equine-assisted learning. In other words, using horses as a means to help individuals learn something new. We're also fortunate to have on our team Dr. Randy Duncan from Saskatchewan. His uh, raison d'etre, his, his reason for existence, is for the last 20 years, his job has been to create psychological measurement instruments. Or, you know, to the average person, that's just to study and fill in A, B, or C, which suits best. And he's been very helpful in tracking the progress and the success of our program. Next month, in the Canadian Military Journal, our study, the first in the world, uh, collecting empirical evidence on the benefits of veterans, PTSD, and horses will be published. Thanks very much to uh, Dr. Randy Duncan in conjunction with the University of Saskatchewan. So who comes to us? Well, the program is designed for veterans with PTSD. And for our program, we classify a veteran as anyone who's worn the uniform. The term of endearment we use for everyone is guys. doesn't matter, male, female, we just say guys. It doesn't matter whether you're reserve, reg force, young, old. doesn't matter on component, tra uh, trade, rank, doesn't matter. All you have to do is tell us you're a veteran that's been diagnosed with PTSD and you have someone to come to the program with and you're in. What we're teaching these individuals is just basic communication skills. What's happening with PTSD, and the uh, latest evidence is showing that, well, I actually have a hard time calling it a disorder. That actually upsets me. The evidence now shows that there is physical damage to the brain. These individuals are wounded. They've been injured. They're not broken. They're wounded. They're not to be shunned. They're to be respected. The challenge is, is you cannot see mental injuries. You can see someone missing a, uh, a leg. You can see someone missing an arm. You can't see the mental injuries. What happens? They become stigmatized. Once you become stigmatized, you're a marked man. In other words, to an individual who's been wounded, the worst, the worst, absolutely worst insult you can offer them is to call any person in uniform weak. You can lose a limb. You can lose all your limbs. You can lose your family. 
the worst insult is to be called weak. And that's what's happening with our veterans today, is they're being looked at by society, by their own government, by their own peers, as weak. What that does is that shuts down communication. And what happens is if you're not talking, your comfort zone gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Last week, we lost two uniform veterans in eastern Canada. Why? Because they weren't able to communicate effectively with people. And that their comfort zone got so small, the depression so strong, the only choice that they felt good enough for them was to take their own lives. This is a serious, serious problem that we're facing in Canada. The government does not track properly the number of suicides. They don't even track female suicides. They put them on a completely different list. And if you were in uniform one day and released the next day, they won't count you. So the numbers are double what the government says. Easily double. We're also teaching individuals with PTSD when they come with their spouse, and we prefer they come with their spouse because this is the reality. The way the health system works is they send you off to a therapist, and we've had our participants admit to us, about 90% of them admit two things. One, that they were suicidal before they uh, uh, finished the program. The other one is they bullshit their therapist. They don't tell them the truth. They go home, and their spouse is sitting there, and they go, hey, how'd it go? And they'll go, huh, fine. Meanwhile, their spouse knows things aren't fine. The spouse goes and talks to the healthcare worker, and they're told, sorry, can't tell you anything. Patient confidentiality. So the spouses and the family members are being cut out of the healing process. And that's incredibly damaging. And the thing is, is the spouses are the best ones who know what's going on. They live with that individual. They can see what's going on, and no one talks to the spouses. They're being shunned and told to go away. We also have, uh, at times, we've had uh, children show up. And what I mean by children, the youngest we had was a 15-year-old daughter. Why? Uh, because the veteran and his wife had separated, and this took an awful lot of uh, phone conversations between the veteran, the spouse, Jim and myself, trying to determine if the 15-year-old daughter would be able to handle the program. An amazing young lady. Incredible. And you know what her comments were? No one told me what this shit was. That's her life. All, he know, all she knows is her parents have split, dad's got PTSD, and no one's talking to her, not even her father. After the program, where we also teach basic conflict resolution skills, and what we mean by basic conflict resolution skills is, you know what? Something as simple as loading the dishwasher could turn into a major trauma. With PTSD, individuals are suffering so many different symptoms. A part of the problem is a lot of the individuals are just being met with drugs, medication. If you get into a system that's overloaded, you get into a system that doesn't care what's happening if you have individuals that are walking around zombies. 
these medications are in such numbers that individuals are taking other medications to counterattack the effects of the medications they were receiving for the medications they were receiving in the first place. So you have walking zombies, literally. It also affects personalities. It affects sex drive. It affects relationships. It affects the ability to have a simple conversation. So what we're doing is helping these individuals find a way to have a simple conversation about how to load the dishwasher without it becoming a major trauma. So we do this in Rocky Mountain House. It's a three-day program for the first phase. And the purpose, the purpose once again, is to help recharge that relationship so that they can reclaim their own lives, and with that, they renew the relationship and regain who they are. It's, it's a very powerful program that has had fantastic success. I'd love to say it works for everyone. The reality is, is PTSD affects different people differently. So that means there is no one cure-all. Uh, we have had uh, a young sailor, a young woman, uh, 20 years old, PTSD uh, and traumatic brain injury from a horrific car accident to individuals who have been blown up in their vehicles, not once, not twice, but three times blown out of their vehicles. We have had couples, both in uniform, come to us. We've had individuals who have been out of the military for 30 years, and they're just coming to grips with the understanding of post-traumatic stress at this time and how it affects them, how a simple conversation can instantly turn into a very vigorous argument or depression, where we had one individual, his responsibility, he was uh, released on 100% disability, he would stay home, he would close the windows, close the curtains, close the blinds, wouldn't talk to anyone, wouldn't answer the phone, wouldn't do anything, because he didn't want to talk to people. It made them, talking to people made him uncomfortable. They'd ask questions. He'd become easily confused. He wouldn't know what to say. He didn't want to offend anyone, so the easiest thing for him was just to bunker down. He did have one job, however, and that was to pick his two sons up from elementary school. So he, and this was out east in a very small town. He would go early to avoid any other parents picking their kids up as well. The problem with this is he picked his kids up to the point where one child actually failed an elementary grade. And, and if you know how hard it is to fail in elementary school, it's very difficult. The reason the child failed that grade was because they had missed so much school because of the gentleman not wanting to be seen or talk to anyone in public. Good news, last Christmas, he was able to take his family to Orlando. So you go from being the reason your kid fails school to being able to go to Orlando for Christmas, that's incredible. And that's what our veterans deserve. That's what their families deserve. Because when a veteran is wounded, it's not just the one individual. It affects the whole family. And that's why you see this picture here. It's not just the veteran that suffers. It's the children, the spouses, everyone that knows that individual. Part of what we're doing is teaching uh, out of a source book 
with a good friend of mine actually came up with this after his 20 years of uh, study and his PhD. And it's just conflict conversations. It's how to deal with basic conflict within a relationship. So why do we use horses? We get this a lot. And one of the challenges we had right up front, everyone said, ah, oh, geez, hug a horse, feel better. Crap. Doesn't happen that way. We don't chase rainbows. We're not into hugging unicorns. We're not having coffee at Timmy's. We're getting into some pretty serious stuff here. Horses crave social interaction. For those of you that have been around horses, you'll know that they're, they're a social animal. They want to be with other social animals. Also, what works well for us military types is we understand chain of command, and a herd of horses has its own chain of command. So that is a quick connection our guys can make with the horses. Once again, when I say guys, that's a term of endearment, male and female, no gender specification. Big word today. Um, the other thing with horses is they're a prey animal. And because they're a prey animal, they're also very hypersensitive. And they're always hypervigilant to what's going on around them. If you've ever watched a number of horses, you'll see maybe some are laying down. There always appears to be one, sort of what we would call standing watch or on picket. The thing about these horses is they can uh, tune into the environment around them very quickly, very easily. For example, husband comes home, says, honey, I'm home. Wife and kids take one look and they go running for cover. Hubby's standing there with PTSD. All of a sudden, anxiety or an aggression attack comes on, and now he's yelling, having a temper, t <coughs> excuse me, a temper tantrum. Well, what we do is we're able to show these individuals that if you try that with a horse, the horse is gone. You try to tell the horse what to do, you abuse the horse, the horse is gone. And we say to them, you know, if the horse is leaving, so is your family. That's what you're doing to your family, and you don't even know it. So we get them to a spot. We get them with some work, with some training, how they can adopt a mentally and physical position. And you know what? And those with people who've worked with horses know this. When that horse thinks it can trust you and respect you, it'll come back to you all on its own. And when the guys see that happening for themselves, we say, you know what? That's your family. They can come back to you because they believe you're worthwhile respecting and trusting. So we are able to take those kinds of lessons and we transfer those lessons from the, hum or sorry, from the horse arena into the human arena. The big difference between a dogs and horses, for example, is while we don't want horses to become another crutch, a dog, if a dog loves you, you can kick it, stomp it, beat it, and it'll come crawling back to you all the time. You try that with a horse, it's gone. So that's what's very valuable for us, is it's a training aid. It's a feedback machine. It lets us know what's really going on. So often, when we have the interactions between the couples, we're watching the horses more than we are the people. It doesn't take much from a horse, how it's moving its ears, how it's standing, licking its lips, moving its tail. That will tell us quite a bit about the possibility of something going on below the surface that the people aren't ready to talk about yet. So it's just retraining. We get people to learn by doing. We have Sean Lewis here, incredibly anxious. He couldn't sit still. Very, very nervous around horses. He tried to take this one home on the plane. And, and this is an example of a horse following. Following someone who's dealing with depression, dealing with anxiety attacks, and the horse is saying, you know what? You're okay. There's no reason to be shunned. 
you're a good person. And I'll let you know you're a good person because I'm going to come to you. No one will tell me to. Don't need any ropes. Don't need a harness. I'm going to you because you are a good person. And if you can imagine someone with PTSD, I go back to the thing about being labeled weak. That's like being shunned. That's like everyone that's important to you turns their back on you and you have no one to talk to. And the horse comes up to you and says, you know what? I will. And it's the first step to regaining self-confidence and self-pride. So we work, basically, thanks to uh, Wounded Warriors Canada, we're able to provide these programs at no cost. That means we'll pay your airfare, we'll pay meals, hotels, rental cars, babysitting for kids, we'll pay for kenneling, whatever it takes so that you're able to attend this program and be able to learn something that's going to help save your life. Our soldiers, our military, didn't ask for these wounds. They shouldn't have to pay for them out of their own pocket. So what we're doing here is, first of all, if someone's able to communicate effectively with their spouse one conversation a day, that brings back self-confidence. That enables them to work on having two conversations a day, then three, then four. And it also helps them talk to the therapists that they need to talk to. We're getting the feedback that the guys after the program actually talk. And I know there's a few spouses that know what it's like to finally have someone open up to you and tell you what's really going on. It provides that self-confidence. Nothing is worse than losing all self-confidence. Working with these 1,000-pound-plus animals, that helps bring the self-confidence back. One of the uh, things we do is we show the guys, before we show the spouses, how to groom a horse. The next day, you have these guys that haven't spoken more than three words a day to their own spouse now, is showing them how to brush and groom a horse. And just the change is immense. The, you can see the smiles on the faces of the couples as they go from being afraid of each other to actually learning something new from each other. It's healing. PTSD is a horrendous injury. It really messes people up in an ugly way. There's no easy fix for it. And because it affects different people differently, that means you have to use different therapies to help them recover. So this, by helping them being able to talk, now helps them express effectively what's actually going on for them. Instead of sitting in the corner all by themselves, now they're interacting with their families. And, it, and we're getting reports of, of children the guys are telling us their children are no longer afraid of them. It reduces anxiety. The reality is, is my own daughter has operational stress injury, and I would often be the cause of her anxiety attacks. And it was pretty heartbreaking to see my own daughter have a complete breakdown, anxiety attack, not able to breathe, not able to talk, not able to do something, because she was thinking I was coming at her the old army, hardcore, old school way, when all I wanted to do was have a conversation. The anxiety attacks are debilitating. Emotions, they're buried. Part of the injuries is, is, is it's, think of the brain as a horse that's been abused. That horse doesn't trust people. 
The horse doesn't trust the environments. That's what's happening with the brain on PTSD. It doesn't trust what you're doing with it. So it'll act like a horse that's been abused. So all emotions, as soon as you get it close to any emotions, the horse runs away or the brain runs away. These programs, by helping them communicate, now they have the ability to start feeling emotion again. We had one guy, actually it was the individual I showed you, Sean Lewis there, the first time. He was sitting there about halfway through the second day, and all of a sudden, he's going, I got heartburn. I can't sit still. He was physically shaking and vibrating. And, of course, you can't ignore that, so we, what's going on? He said, you know what? I'm feeling emotion for the first time in five years. So for the first time in five years, he was actually feeling emotion. So when, his, uh, when we had the spouses come back to that session, and when she was sitting beside him, we asked him the same question. And you can imagine how powerful that was for his spouse when he looked at her and said, I'm feeling emotions. It was just incredible. The hypervigilance, always back to the wall. Any loud noise, people would jump. Uh, a lot of veterans, uh, they hear a sudden bang, and, and they're diving under the tables. It's that hypervigilance being able to relax just a little bit more. The triggers, recognizing what sends you off. It can be a smell, a color, a sound. It could be, uh, for example, uh, for myself, uh, Bosnia sitting on, a, on top of a school so that the uh, other side wouldn't shell a children's school. And the air raid sirens went off. Not that they were going to be attacked by planes. It was going to be an artillery bombardment that was happening. The sound of children running in absolute terror is exactly the same sound as children playing in a playground. Sounds exactly the same. So for myself, I don't like going near playgrounds because I don't like hearing that sound. It's recognizing those triggers and being able to deal with them in an effective manner that doesn't cause an anxiety attack or depression. And to help with the feeling of distress, if you don't know there's ways to move forward and to heal, then you get into this cycle, this downward cycle, and that distress is what's killing our soldiers. You with the sad eyes Don't be discouraged, oh, I realize it's hard to take courage In a world full of people You can lose sight of it And the darkness inside you Makes you feel so small But I see a true color Shining through I see a true color That's why I love you so
never be afraid Because your difference is the difference We live in a time where to be yourself is hard And the way you really feel can leave you emotionally scarred But stay strong, stand firm and never back down Being yourself is the only way to act now Trust me, I'm a fighter and a lover But the only time I fight is to reveal my true colors You know Thank you.